Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him, you love him, you've seen him on stage with us last year, and now here he is, an official new member of Dream Theater, Mr. Jordan Rudis. Wow. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Jordan. Are you happy with the sessions for the new album? Oh, we're having a wonderful time playing music for our friends. <laughs> Yes. Wow. <laughs> well, there's Jordan. We're very happy to have him aboard. Jordan, as you know, did two incredible Liquid Tension Experiment albums with us. And now to have him as a full-time Dream Theater member, it's exceeding our wildest, wildest expectations. Wow. <laughs> 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 wow. Awesome. A blast from the past. I I remember I remember that vividly actually. That was at Bear Tracks actually. That was while we were recording uh, scenes from memory. Right, totally. Hey, um, I want to do a formal introduction okay. here. Wait a minute. I just enjoyed that so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm me too. That was awesome. So, ladies and gentlemen out there in Facebook and YouTube and Patreon land. Uh, I've been looking forward to today because uh, it's always uh, really fun uh, to hang out with my very longtime friend and musical comrade. We uh, recently had the great pleasure, no exaggeration, maybe double great pleasure of working together uh, in the studio for a new Liquid Tension Experiment album, which is pretty amazing because it is more than 20 years uh, so, you know, we reconnected then. The reality is that Mike and I have uh, stayed in touch through all these years, and we've been kind of waiting for uh, the opportunity for the sky to open up and, you know, just to allow us to do this. And, and we did, and we're happy. Uh, for those of you who, who um, I think many of you out there do, we also got together. We played uh, our lovely instrumental instrumentally. Uh, on the Prague cruise, so you know we've been we've been remaining connected, but of course uh, getting together for this new uh, chapter of Liquid Tension has been amazing and uh, opened up you know the next chapter, shall we say, of our uh, our musical lives. Anyway, the, Mike has done too many things for me to list, and I think there's so many things that even the man with the best memory that I know, Mr. Mike Gortnoy, tells me that he is maybe starting to not keep track of every little detail, which I find amazing. But uh, we're going to have some fun. We can reminisce. We can tell you a little bit about the liquid tension stuff. And we'll certainly take some questions and all that. And I should say before we start chatting that after about 10 minutes uh, or so of talking, we are going to close it down because um, we're going to move to my Patreon only format because, uh, well, you know, music isn't free. Musicians have to survive and eat and Spotify doesn't really pay the bills. So we're all coming. We love all you guys. We want to play music for you. We want to entertain you. It's in our hearts, but we also have to make a living. And um, we'll probably talk about that too. So without further ado, 
Mr. Mike Portnoy. Hello, Mike. How's it going, man? Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, no. All right. I, so I want to comment on that clip. If, Go ahead. All it, yours. I remember it vividly. That was, uh, we were making scenes from a memory. It's, and uh, probably around 22 years ago, right about now, because it was, uh, that's when my son Max was born and he just had his 22nd birthday a few days ago. So, uh, but the two things that just struck me seeing that, uh, well, first of all, how different we both look. You had no beard and long hair. Right. And then I had short hair and a very, very little beard. Uh, and also the two things I noticed about myself, first of all, my teeth were completely crooked. I did Invisalign over the last couple of years. So, you know, nice. yeah, but, but, but seeing that video with the camera, like right up on me, I was like, holy shit, I, I had forgotten that my teeth were that crooked. And also the <laughs> other thing that struck me was my New York accent. Cause I've been in Pennsylvania for like 17 or 18 years now, but I was still in New York at that point. Yeah. And hearing my accent right there really struck me. I was like, Oh my God, like, <sighs> wow. But man, it's crazy how time, I remember that like it was yesterday, but now, but watching the clip, it's like, wow, that's, you know, that's over two decades ago. It's well, yeah, I mean, time is so weird. Like when we were in the studio just the other week, it was like no time passed at all. I mean, it just, you know, you have things in your life that kind of change your perception about what time really means to to us. And that was mind blowing. It really it really affected me because walking into the studio and being there with you and we haven't been in the studio together in what, like 11 years or 12 years when, when yeah. you, you would remember, whenever it was. But and also Tony, I mean, we hadn't been in the studio with him in over 20 years. And we I walked know. in and within seconds, we were just jamming like it yeah. was just like the next day or the next exactly. week. I mean, literally, it was so crazy. I mean, that that coming back together to do the LTE sessions last summer hit on two levels. The first level was the four of us. The four of us hadn't been in a studio together in 22 years. And when the last time we made that second LTE album, you know, our kids were just getting born and now they're full, you know, they're all adults. So, but then there was the other thing about the other elephant in the room that me, you and John hadn't been together, you know, in, I guess, 10 or 11 years. And that was like pretty surreal. But, it like you said, the minute we started playing, it was like not a like not a day had passed. It's it just felt yeah. so natural, so uh, comfortable, you know. Right, and right. It was crazy. I mean, it wasn't. You'd think that we'd have to almost like reestablish our roles or something like that, or find out where everybody's at, or right. none of that. It no. was like not even. It was just like the moment we walked into the room, we were go, go, go. And everybody took their place in the chemistry that right. we all have. And we just did it. And that's, I guess that's, you know, what the magic really is. And I found that the, even, uh, you know, all those years we were together in Dream Theater, I found the chemistry for LTE and the chemistry for Dream Theater between all of us. It's a little bit of a different chemistry, too, because it's a different way of writing and working with Dream Theater. There's vocals. You have to write with vocals in mind, um, you know, whereas LTE, it's instrumental. So it's a whole different way of writing. It's also very, very improvisationally based. Right. So there's that element. There's also, you know, the keyboards are, are I, I think like with LTE, when we did those first two albums, you were free to do whatever and it was like that was our chance to work with you and right, right. and it was like man just whatever you want jordan go for it but yeah. then once you came into dream theater it's like well okay it's kind of a different formula that we you kind of got to find your place and your your, yeah. your you know the the yeah. you know the dynamic is a little different but the Absolutely. lte dynamic is so 
free and open. There are no rules with LTE. Yeah, and that's what's so amazing. about. That's why it's so important for us to do those albums. I mean, you know, you, well, maybe, dare I say, maybe even more important for me, because I don't have a lot of other side, like, band things. Although, of course, I make a lot of music on my own. But just going in a room with a band and doing something different that's that free is like, you know, as much as I enjoy my, you know, time with Dream Theater, it's like therapy, because the keyboards do get, I get to do whatever I want. Now, I will say when I heard the first mix come off the press, I, as you know, I was basically in shock. I don't think my, uh, <laughs> our fans out there know what happened. I'll tell this in, a, in as nice a way as possible. So, uh, so, you know, I'm usually pretty mellow. I know Mike and John are totally like on these things and there's some things I just don't need to worry about. So I was pretty casual about listening to any of the mixes, figuring, you know, the guys will make sure it sounds good. So uh, I happened to see while the mixes were coming back, well, the first mix was coming back, I just saw my email and John Petrucci wrote to the uh, uh, to Rich, who is the engineer, Rich Mauser. He said, oh, turn the you should turn the keyboards up a little bit. And I went, wait a minute. The <laughs> guitar player who has the wall of sound as big as my house is telling him to turn up the keyboards. I better give this a listen. <laughs> so I thought, well, you know, that's going to be nothing. It'll sound fine. I listened to it. I swear to God, I could not hear the keyboards at all. I was like... <laughs> Oh, shit. And I didn't know what to do. I, I was in shock. I was like, how the hell did this happen? Because Rich Mauser is the master of progressive rock engineering. Everything is always perfectly in balance. So to make a longer story short, because there's a lot to talk about, basically what happened was I think John was a little bit being mindful, careful, paying attention to the fact that he needed his guitar tone to be you know, the Petrucci sound. And I think he right. expressed to Rich that, hey, make sure my guitar really rocks, you know, and Rich interpreted that as, oh, my God, I got to like make sure that the guitar is like, you know, uh, the king here. So. I'll tell you, I'll tell you my perspective on that. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit, there yeah. is a bit of a backstory okay. because when we did the first two LTE albums, those were mixed by Kevin Shirley, who John mm -hmm. and I were working with at that time. You know, we had done Falling Into Infinity. So we trusted Kevin, but Kevin always had a, Kevin Shirley always did a big wall of sound, you know, big guitar-oriented mixes. So this time around, when, when yeah. we started talking about mixers for, for LTE3, um, we threw out a bunch of names. And I know John w wanted to keep the mixer separate from anything that Dream Theater currently uses or separate from anything I use with any of my bands. But for whatever reason, there were a few mixers that were unavailable. And Rich Mauser was eventually suggested by Thomas Wabber. And Rich, Rich does all my prog stuff. He does Flying Colors, Transatlantic, Neil Morse Band. Uh, I know he's great with keyboards. He's great with just real great organic sounds. Mm. But Thomas Wabber and I were concerned how John was going to take to Rich because Rich was never like a wall of guitar sound kind of guy. So I got a feeling Thomas Wabber probably prepped Rich Mauser and said, look, we got to convince John. We need that big wall of guitars. So I think Rich probably overcompensated for it with that initial mix, and just to just to get John feeling comfortable. Oh God, he was and so then, comfortable. He wanted the keyboards turned up. <laughs> well, I think, I think even even John was probably surprised by it. Like, wait, yeah, where are the keyboards? So I think <laughs> right. once once John was on board and happy with Rich, uh, then it was like, okay, now let's round this out and oh yeah get no. get jordan where he needs to be yeah rich did an unbelievable job it sounds 
you know, I love the mixes. It's perfect. It ended up well, but I've never been so frightened by a first mix. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was my, it was like a big lesson for me. Like always listen to the, right away, listen to the mix, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Now, but, no, but I think the Rich, Rich did a great job. I mean, it, it's unfortunate that the, the album isn't out that we could openly talk about it. Um, yeah, in fact, right, I know right. we originally scheduled this so it would uh, precede the release by maybe only a week or so. And, and since then, we've had to delay it a few weeks. So we're still about a month away. But we, I mean, we, there's a lot we could talk about even without. But I think people don't even know that Rich Mauser uh, mixed it until now, which is cool. So, but yeah, it was Rich. And he's, yeah. he's just great with it everything he touches and nobody knows Prague better than him. So oh, the, yeah. the, the kind of improvisational side of LTE, that is a big part of LTE. I mean, that's right up his alley, you know? Right. right totally. Um, I'm thinking, you know, speaking of the new LTE album, the, the Rhapsody is one of my favorite thing is, I don't know, for some reason it's a real standout uh, for me, of all the stuff we did. Um, which is funny because, you know, we didn't write that. We arranged it. And I love what we wrote, but the Rhapsody was so cool. And, and in, in interviews, I tell people that, you know, the reality is when you came up with the idea to do the Rhapsody, even at first to do it, like when we played the live shows, I was kind of like, you know, my feelings like, oh, my God, you know, because I'm thinking about where's the music, how, where are all the sounds going to, how am I going to do that? And all these realities start hitting my head. But meanwhile, it was great fun to do live. We had a great time and, you know, got through the work. But this time, you know, flashback just a little bit and you're like, guys, we should do Rhapsody in Blue on the album. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> don't say that. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, where's the music? Where's my notation? Where's my music? How does the song go? Right. You know, the you're having Mike... Mike, you have Mike Portnoy flashbacks, like, oh no, now he's going to want to cover an entire like, like Genesis <laughs> right. album, you know? <laughs> totally. And I was like, my, you know, I mean, the thing is, I look for my music, I look for my sounds, and all the all kind of the parts I need to make it happen. And after I took a few deep breaths, and I think I found the PDF file of the music, and I relaxed to the idea of doing it. Of course, you know, it became a really amazing project, and and I tell people I I had an you know, we had a great time. I personally had an incredible time in my studio because I did my keyboard parts at home doing all the orchestration. I'd use like orchestral sounds. I'd use steel drum sounds. I'd use synthesizers and choirs and strings, you know, all the stuff. And it was really, really a great, I mean, it was so, such a cool project. Well, for, for that reason alone. Uh-oh. version of this Freezing up a little bit, yeah. We're having a freeze. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, if you guys can hear me out there in Radio Land, we'll try to deal with that. Yeah, you might want to might want to call back in. Is anybody else having an, an issue with the internet in the in the Facebook YouTube world over there? Oh, okay. Hey. Oh, here you are. You froze for a minute. Yeah, sorry about that. That's all right. We missed what you were saying about the Rhapsody after uh, uh, you were going to chime in and say your perspective, but it right. got frozen. Well, I think it was a good idea to re, you know, to record a studio version of it because we had only played it live in 2008. Not everybody got to hear it or experience it, but also 
um, like you just mentioned, you were able to properly orchestrate a studio version. So you were able amazing, to go places yeah. with, the, with the sounds and, and all these different, you know, sonic, uh, you know, applications. It, mm-hmm. I, I want to quickly divulge how we recorded it, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Because yeah, uh, I, I uh, just it's a funny story for the people out there that we, you know, we had written, we had composed, I think four songs for LTE three, and then we had done a bunch of jams. But we knew we wanted to also do Rhapsody in Blue, but it was like, man, it, it's going to take forever to relearn it, and you're going to have to reprogram it. Yes, and yes. So the way we actually did it um, uh, is, I I played I played my drums to a, the live version from LA. So uh, G- Jimmy T and myself like literally went through the uh, the click like created a click track map to the live version. Then I played my drums to the live version. And then after that, you guys did all your orchestrations on your own. But there's a very funny thing at the end of the studio version, we hit the final chord and then you hear me say in the studio, thank you very much, oh, the roar of the crowd. That's because in my headphones, I'm hearing the audience applauding to our final chord from the live version. So when people hear the studio version and wonder what, what the hell's going on there, that's because in, in my ears, I'm hearing the LA audience applauding, you know, the, the end of the song. Yeah, that's so funny. That's great. Hey, um, we are going to take our conversation to Patreon. So I just want to take a second to say thank you to everybody on YouTube and Facebook for watching. Please do join us over in the Patreon world. Uh, I think you'll enjoy being part of that community. A lot of cool things happening. And uh, yeah, and thanks so much for watching uh, this today. And we're going to continue our conversation. And we'll see you guys at some point on the road and on Patreon. Okay.